0: You're listening to a Weebie Geeks Network podcast. Hey, this is Bobby Sapphire from the Hyperloops and you're listening to I Rebel, a Star Wars Destiny podcast. Forgery of imperial
1: documents, possession of stolen property, aggravated assault, resisting arrest.
2: On your own from the age of 15, reckless, aggressive,
3: and undisciplined. <laughs>
4: I rebel. Welcome everyone to I Rebel. I am your host Jedi Geek Girl. Worlds is now over and I am both sad and happy that it is over. It was a blast and a lot of fun. I truly will cherish this event. I can spend this whole episode talking about my experiences, memories, and friendship from Worlds. However, we will talk about those in a later episode. In this episode, we actually have some in-person interviews for you that I was able to do at Worlds. Most of them are quick, but we do have a very lengthy interview with Pearl Yeti. Enjoy this episode and thank you for your support and for choosing to listen to this episode. If you would like to further support us, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash destiny. Without further ado, here are the interviews with a special introduction.
2: (coughs) Hey, this is Mike from the Jedi Trials here at Worlds. Shout out to Amanda who does awesome stuff for the community and uh, it's just such a great part of all of us. Enjoy this episode, thanks.
4: Welcome everyone to a special interview here at Worlds. This is the first for Ivy Bell, and I am actually here with one of the most influential people in the Star Wars Destiny community. The man behind Artificery, Hashtag Aid, and overall, a major and important part of the Star Wars Destiny community, Pearl Yeti.
3: <laughs> Thanks for having me, Amanda
4: i am so glad to have you on i know that we have a lot to talk about this is actually a first for me doing an in-person interview so it's going to be fun fresh and let's dive in how did you get into star wars and how did you get into star wars destiny
2: oh my parents definitely got me to star wars so we had the vhs's since i can remember and star wars popcorn and coca-cola was like a very very often tradition so it always the way i got to destiny was i went christmas shopping Uh, with my wife and we walked into the game store and it was destiny's pre-release and the uh, sales staff at the game store kept shaking the kylo starter box at me and i actually was able to get out of the game store we drove home and pulling in a drive i was like i'm gonna drop you off i'm gonna go back and play that star wars thing that looked kind of fun and it was amazing and you know i was able to bring home a couple and uh, my wife and i played for a month solid every single night just tons of fun I was the first card game that she just ate up right away, so I guess that was what let me know that the game was something special, that everybody that we sat down to play the game with instantly loved it and tons of fun.
4: Would you say that is what got you into Star Wars Destiny was the experience, not so much the mechanics of the game? I
2: would say equally both. So I, I had played uh, quite a bit of Magic growing up and I think what, especially when Awakenings was out, the back and forth nature of Star Wars Destiny, I take an action, you take an action. It was just almost innovative, almost, compared to other games where it's you take an entire round, I take an entire round. So that was a lot of fun. It was really fun. I actually kind of liked the product shortage when the game came out. Like it was almost a hunt to find cards and like you would get a couple of packs at a store that would like like have a couple packs. And I remember opening up Django Fett and that changed everything because now I had Django and Trooper and that was the deck I could play or Django and Kylo. And then my wife opened up Qui-Gon, and so she could have Qui-Gon and Rey, and single dice versions, and it was just really fun to explore. I don't know, different, new, interesting, I guess easy to learn as well was an important part. So we could teach new people the game in five minutes and they could be enjoying themselves.
4: It definitely took the community by storm, not only the Star Wars community, but the gaming community as well. I know that we are here at Worlds, there are pods firing off like no tomorrow, they are backed up. The game is in a really healthy place game-wise, there's people wanting to play it, but it seems like the product shortage and FFG's handling of the product is hurting it, but the game itself is so wonderful, I love it. I can't think of another game that I loved as much, Granted, I enjoyed a little bit of the time that I had into magic and Pokemon and New oh but it seems like Destiny is like no other game and I'm not saying that just because it's Star Wars or just because it's dice or just because of the beautiful colors. It seems like there is a magic element to it. What do you think that magical element is?
2: Doesn't everybody love rolling dice? Right? No? Don't love rolling dice? I mean, somebody gave me some really good advice. If you want to be good at this game, just roll fire. And so you just need to practice that. Just sit down, roll dice until they start showing up on specials or three damage. Keep practicing. Um, I don't know. I don't know what makes Destiny so special. I think it's because you're... It sounds gimmicky, but when they released Destiny, they sold it as these almost mock battles, these what-if scenarios between iconic Star Wars characters. That is actually a lot of fun. Back in the day, it was Luke versus Vader, or now it's Hondo versus... Sabine and these are cool characters and they're fun to play and like you said, I especially think the art is getting really good in the game The art was always pretty good, but if you look at the art on legacies They completely stepped it up a level and that's really fun part of the game promos are always fun I don't know if you're a promo collector but i try to chase and try to get one of everything i like having a little trophy wall so i don't know there's just a lot of things that make destiny a fun game
4: not only is the art getting better but the game mechanically is getting a lot better with the preview of plocoon and his spaceship as well as other cards that we have seen so far from way of the, the force it seems like the game is stepping up next level with this design, especially with each card having more than one application. Like sure, you have Darth Vader, you activate your a card and you hope to roll melee. But with Hondo, you have that special that forces your opponent to give you a resource or take damage. With Cassian, you have mill and damage on top of his ability. There's a lot of flexibility coming to the game. Before we get into the really, really juicy stuff, what has been revealed so far from Ways of the force would you say you are looking forward to most that is not luke skywalker
2: um luke skywalker's beat stick <laughs> um i think plo Clun is a very interesting character uh, the text on him so we played the what would you put together with plo combination the other night and like Plo with a Padawan, so you get the discounting on Plo with a Jedi Instructor, so that when Plo rolls that one melee damage, his other dice is now a two melee damage. So you've got the discounting and dice rolling consistency. I mean, you see Talzin out there a lot, and the reason she does good things is she just makes your dice more consistent. So we could see that happening as well in that deck has a good amount of health, it doesn't have modified sides, so you're always going to get something out of it. We'll have to see if Flo's 10 health is enough to keep that deck going, because he's going to be the obvious first target, but I want to give it a shot.
4: I know that I have talked to Eric Rainwright about it, and he's really looking forward to it because it seems like it is right up his alley. But who knows if he'll be drawn to it. But anyways, getting into the main topic of this interview is I want to get into artificial, the behind the scenes, if you will, as juicy as we can get. So let's start at the beginning. How and where was fishery founded?
2: What's the fun one? So um. I do blacksmithing as a hobby and back when I thought maybe I could turn this hobby into like an online store thing and sell some of the dinky stuff that I make about blacksmithing, I should come up with a name. So I bought a website and named it Artificery and then did nothing with it. Go forward like a year and... I started putting together tournaments using Reddit of all places and it was basically, hey guys, you want to send me five dollars on like friends and family PayPal and I'll organize a thing on Tabletop Simulator and I'll send you some prizes. And I think 24 very brave people trusted me on that first tournament and the major feedback was, I think we could get more people if we were a little bit more legitimate. So we started working on it from there. That very first tournament, met Lassie, Cody Paith, and I met Angel of Zions, and Olivier, so Elrathian, and I'm hoping I'm forgetting one of them, but yeah, definitely those three guys have been there from the start. After that, they immediately said like, we're gonna help you We'll just keep organizing tournaments because this is fun and they became like the tournament organizers while well, I started working more on like the back end getting a website up together to do event management ticketing people that have played in our tournaments for the past year know how sketchy we went from the whole PayPal experience to it's actually pretty streamlined now and then part of that as well was it was impossible to find price support it was very difficult to even buy product to supply for prizes because that was the thing we always wanted to support the physical aspect of the game so that was when the was went into Asmodee to see, well, they let us carry and sell Destiny product. And then we can also use it for price support, just like physical LGS works. That came through and got to do price support for a bit, did the Legacies release, which was tons of fun and tons of work and lots of boxes of pizza and lots of trips back and forth between FedEx and a U-Haul truck, 1,500 pounds of Legacy product. That's been kind of the ride.
4: It is fascinating hearing that the online store actually came out of your organization of organized play and tournament. That is something that I think a lot of people who are just coming to the game probably didn't know. I always wondered how did you get into retail and stuff like that and jumping in head first, now that you're no longer able to do the online thing, your online store, that is your primary focus right now. For those who do not know beyond the store, what else do you do for the Star Wars Destiny community?
2: where we call ourselves The Crew, because we couldn't come up with a better name and then it just kind of stuck. We do a Patreon, so we do like a mix of articles that we release to the public immediately. Those ones tend to be uh, more casual focused. Our hot take, meta stuff, we put on a Patreon. Those do go to the public, but depending on the level of spiciness. We'll either wait one week to release it or we'll wait two weeks. And so yeah, we do some Patreon articles. We do very, too, too rarely we do the Galactic Senate with the Knights of Ren, so that's kind of like a shared venture. We also share a member with Taxter, so he gets to wear two jerseys today. Olivier has picked up coaching, so that's been kind of fun. So the weekend before Worlds, we ran a team gauntlet with all the apprentices that Olivier has been coaching good chunk of the crew got online and just started running through practice games with our apprentices. I think that went pretty well because two of them made day two yesterday. So that was really exciting to see them do that well. Shout out to Shuffman. Good job, man.
4: Since you originally founded Fishery to do online tournaments, with it coming down that you are no longer able to do that, how did that affect your business and how you had to reshuffle your place in the community?
2: Um, that's something we're still figuring out. Artificery, probably too much information, but it's a sole proprietorship. Everybody that's part of it is, you know, volunteer. And if you've been in the tournaments, I try to help the crew out as best I can as being volunteers. So, you know, they might be getting steeper discounts than anybody else on boxes of Destiny and whatnot, but they don't get paid they get paid, tax nightmare. So we're trying to figure that out. They love running online tournaments and so do I. So we're trying to figure out what can we do to separate the Asmodee license and the Artificery.com with our volunteer staff enjoyment of running tournaments, whether they're in person. I run in-person tournaments every single day of, every single day of the week, I wish, um, every single week. And lately we've been doing online tournaments about every two weeks. I'll say they'll come back in some fashion, whether it's my my name behind it or not up in the air probably not but looking at the crew they want to keep doing it
4: Full disclosure, all of us in content creation don't make money off of this. Even the Hyperloop for as much money as they get, they spend in traveling and providing us content. So everybody who's in content creation, we don't get a dime. We are spending money out of our pocket and our time. That doesn't mean that we deserve to receive any special treatment, that's just how it is. So it takes a lot to volunteer, especially with how large your team is. You mentioned earlier how three or four of the other co-founding members, if you can call them that, became a part of your team. I know you have a large team, but can you give us a rundown of how everybody joined the Artificiary team and what their current role is in your team right now?
2: Ooh, that's a tough one. All right. So we have the people that either played in a tournament and then joined that way. And a lot of times the people that joined later, like Zero Hour, the reason he joined was he played in a tournament. We generally stream the top tables, especially when we go into a cut, and then we'll pull people into commentary afterwards just to chat with us, a little interview style after a tournament. And I'm pretty sure Zero Hour is one of the guys that we pulled him in, chatted with him, and just hung out for a couple of hours, and just kept hanging out afterwards good player, and also fun to hang out with. Yeah, let's totally hang out. I guess the formal creation of the crew was more a beast of Discord, so making channels and managing that. And there was like a VIP channel for a while, and I was like, well, let's restructure this and give it a name. And it's like, all right, after that, we uh, we should clean this one up. Yeah, we just kind of formalized it and decided that we should choose people that are gonna be like the face of the team. I guess more back to your point, Zero Hour, Agent, and Lassie are pretty much the people that are managing tournaments on a bi-weekly basis. They're judging, they're doing scorekeeping, that sort of thing. Then we have a lot of pretty faces who we practice with, and that would be like Das and Dr. Professor, Rebel Trooper. I would also say Lassie and Zion are our big article writers, so they're workhorses and they're usually putting out one or two articles a week. Taxter, he's our most beautiful face. He's our almost champion. That's his role. My role is to say that I'll practice a lot and then not practice a lot and then spend a lot of time working on a website and then hope I do really well when I show up to a tournament. So that's my job. Let's see what else we got. Stoko. Stoko's is the one that makes all those sweet promo cards that we do. We've got an artist who's really awesome that lets us use the art he produces for playmats and character art and Stoko takes character art, templates it. Uh, we try very hard to make it look not like an official promo. So if you've seen ours, they look way different because we're, we're not selling them, we're not trying to infringe on anything, we're just trying to make a cool handout for our fans and for our patrons. So that's what he does. Grok Disco is like our technical support. So there's a lot of work that goes in the website. There's a lot of back-end stuff with even like Tabletop Simulator that people don't know about. He's really helpful with that. They do a little bit of everything but The most important thing is we've just become like good friends and enjoy hanging out. Worlds right now is I think our third trip as a team, where we've all traveled together, we've all stayed in one giant Airbnb together, play, practice, eat together. So that's been the best part of Destiny is just like meeting people and growing a friend group that's become really solid.
4: Artificery is most commonly associated with Knights of Ren, even though you two are two separate entities, there is a sense of partnership between you guys. What is your current relationship with Knights of Ren and what does that look like? Because I know a lot of people associate one with another when that's not the case. You guys are two different teams and taxes tend to blend the line. Can you clarify that for us, please?
2: Sure. So the reason I started playing at a local game store, Destiny, outside of a kitchen table, that was because my wife wanted to beat me. So she got online and found Knights of Ren and read one of their articles on a deck and then listened to the podcast that went with it to make a deck and then beat me. And then was like, ha, I got it from this podcast thing. You should listen to it. And just listening to Knights of Ren just got me even more excited about the game and like, yeah, maybe I should go and try to see if this amazing Vader Kylo deck I made will do well at all. And it's it was total garbage so yeah that was a bad idea getting into the online stuff Sugi was immediately just very helpful and gave a lot of good advice kind of out of nowhere and i'll always be thankful for that like he definitely gave us a hand up on just even getting started before i feel like the online tournament stuff even like really coalesced very well he would give shout outs on the show and let people know that we were doing another one in a couple weeks and then that kind of all came to a head last year at Worlds. Got to meet Soogie in person for the first time. Got to hang out with Sceptical and Todd. So hanging out with those three guys was tons of fun. We wound up spending a lot of time last year at Worlds together. Went to Mall of America together. And again, making friendships and all that. I'm not a competitive person by nature, especially when it comes to like with other content makers or community members. And like, Soogie and those guys, tons of fun, good hang out with. And I guess that's why we're closely interrelated.
4: It is important to know and I'm not just saying this, that no no other person has done more for the Star Wars Destiny community than Sugi. I know that after hearing you speak, and I have seen it in people that I have talked to too, that for those of us who are doing content, whether it's artificially Night nice you name it, there is always a chance that that can inspire somebody to do their own content. And it's wonderful that we can share a joy and have somebody else find inspiration in of themselves to do the exact same thing. So let's jump into the Hyperspace report. Our original interview was actually supposed to be about the Hyperspace Report. I know that the community is primarily upset at it. I know that personally, I'm going to talk about it more in a later episode. It's a huge announcement, but for those of us who went to the Hyperspace Report, and I do believe that the majority of people who had attended it were, those Destiny was either media or players. What did you think about the Hyperspace Report's Finesco?
2: I was waiting for all of you guys to storm the stage watching the stream. I feel really bad about everybody that took a day off and traveled and spent extra money to go watch the report. And honestly, I was in that boat. I have a day job. I think all the content creators have a day job. And my day job didn't let me come. And I'm glad it didn't because I would have been really upset. I guess I'll blend my upsetness and cynicism with some optimism. After the hyperspace report and like digging into the articles they release on X ping 2.0, and then jumping over to articles that they had released on Legion. I am actually optimistic that at least the organized play portion of Destiny is going to get better in the way that I want it to get better because what they're moving to with Legion, or I guess what Legion's starting out with, what they're moving to with X-Wing, I just have to assume that Destiny's gonna follow suit, and it looks really good. So they're beefing up the seasonal kits for X-Wing, which is good. Better seasonal kits is something that helps small game stores get people in the door, because they're inexpensive price support. So maybe if they cost a little bit more money, but they have better pricing, that's helpful to get players. In the door and you know to keep in there they're also increasing not only the prize support in store championship packages but a store championship is no longer just a season it comes out with every meta change so each time a wave of x-wing comes out there's a store championship kit for it the store championship kit says that it supports not only a single day tournament, like a normal store championship, it also supports a league format for that entire meta, and with a prize and a crowned winner for that store for the person who accrued the most points during that meta right before the next meta starts. So that's exactly what we need: is this you know consistent handoff of prizes and league play from release to release with you know bursts of a bigger tournament at each release as well. So that's just really exciting. They're also changing the regional format for X-Wing. So stores that meet a certain sales requirement can now host a regional level event. So that means more stores in more states are going to be able to host regional level events. There's two time periods in the year where that can happen. And there are two, three month time periods. So we're just gonna have a lot more play throughout the year. Uh, that can get players together in larger numbers. Those regional events are still going to award a seat of worlds. So again, everything that I read about X-Wing after I was salty and sad and upset like everybody else just got me really excited. So now I'm just not so quietly optimistic that soon we'll hear some similar changes for Destiny and like that'll cover a very big portion of the, you know, one of three things I wanted for Destiny. I
4: know that I have not dived into it yet myself, but after hearing what you had to say about the changes coming to X-Wing and introduced with Legion and L5R, there is a lot of optimism in the future of With Destiny, but you almost have to wonder between the product shortage of awakenings, the meta of Spirit of Rebellion, the product problems with legacies, and now this hashtag rally aid movement that the damage to the community might be done for the game not to grow to where it could have possibly gone to. Which brings me to my next subject, hashtag Rallyade, Your brand and you are behind hashtag RallyAid. How did that come to be and what is your reaction to how the community reacted to it?
2: It's something that had been brewing in my mind for a while. I had on my calendar four hours budgeted aside on a Friday to get a tournament stood up. And then I was asked not to run that tournament by Asmodee. So I had four free hours to do something for Destiny with Destiny. Just sat down and I was actually started to write an article about Worlds and Worlds preparation. And it instead turned into the rallyate article instead. Uh, like I said, I run weekly events. I don't think the game is permanently damaged there's been some player exits in like my community but we also have new players coming in, and new players don't care that a set is delayed because they're playing something brand new anyways. As long as FFG can figure out a way to keep their current customer base happy, the ones playing the game, those are the ones I'm most worried about. There's been a real lack of communication, and I feel like the bait-and-switch tactic was pretty real at the hyperspace report. Uh, You know, a little bit more respect, a little bit more communication with the Destiny player base. We'll keep those players in the game, and then they just need to get the product on the shelves to keep getting new players in the game as well.
4: I know that everybody is a part of Star Wars Destiny. FFG, the players, the community, the content creators, we are all this well-oiled machine and while the responsibility does fall on FFG of providing information about the game, it comes down to the community to help make the game healthy locally and for us content creators to be a point of optimism and content for the game that we love. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but we are about to be kicked out here so we have to wrap up this interview. Before I let you go, are you playing at Worlds? And if you are, what day are you playing and what are you playing?
2: Alright, so I've already played. I played yesterday in day 1A and I went 5-1. and one. I think I'm 8th on the list, so probably like 24th or 30th by the time all the days are finished. So I'm pretty happy with that. I'm playing a uh, Boba 7th with a little bit of spiciness thrown into it. So Amanda, edit this out if I do really poorly on day two, but if I don't, like really boost this up for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I play a variant that has four speed and as you command, which seems to have won half of my games for me. Four speed, you know, take two actions. As you command is you resolve a character die as if it was focused. So you're taking away two of your damage to find bigger damage elsewhere. So it's usually minus two to then kill a character that had five health left. I love it. And I also play coercion, which did wonders yesterday. So force your opponent to play an event as their next action. My favorite play was I. my opponent had three resources. I gave him a resource with truth so he had four, and then I forced him to play fallback to get rid of his upgrades. That was very exciting.
4: I want to thank you Pearl Yeti for coming on and doing this interview. I know that there is more that we can talk about. Perhaps we can do a full episode down the line, but I appreciate you taking time out of grinding pods for this interview. Is there anything else you would like to say to our listeners before we let you go?
2: Yeah, uh, everybody. Amanda does great work for the community and make sure you support her Patreon because those $1, $2 pledges, they actually mean a lot. They mean quite a bit to us and we really appreciate it so get out there and support her
4: thank you so much pearl yeti for those kind words jedi geek girl out (coughs) ladies and gentlemen boys and girls i have a very special interview here the only undefeated player ending day one and two of worlds going into top and 16. you know him as one third of the hyperloops all around great guy and a great mentor because of him i wouldn't have played the sabine ezra deck that i played ladies and gentlemen bobby sapphire hey how's it going going pretty good. I didn't do as well as you did. I uh, I went 1-2 where you went undefeated. So let's dive into the meat of the subject and say what made your Sabine Ezra deck do so well in the field of other Sabine Ezra decks that just couldn't pull it out.
0: I think for the most part what put me sort of ahead is just like I'm kind of methodical with Sabine Ezra. I've played enough times that I know um, all the times where like exactly what gun I want for every situation and they're very specific. I, like I'm really proud of the way that I played this weekend. I don't think I made too many mistakes. I think I played around things the way I should have but I have to admit I rolled like absolute freaking fire all weekend like rolling Obi-Wans off the board with seven damage Sabine and two guns just I got super lucky a lot of the time but I also think that because I play so tight and so and then like know all the check downs everything I need to go through that I put myself in good positions to roll myself out of bad spots because I, I don't give away any damage other than today when I accidentally um killed my Sabine before she was actually lethal
4: I have to say that a lot of people say that Sabine Ezra is a luck-based deck, and while there is a luck element to it after playing the deck and hanging out with you guys and learning about the resource management as well as the decision points of the deck, that you have to be a skilled player to play the deck. You just can't rely on rolling hot fire. Can you expand more upon those decision points that perhaps other Sabine Ezra players miss?
0: Yeah, I think, like, tempo is obviously super important, especially against other aggro decks, so you want to, like, you often have to claim with Dice in the Pool, even though, you know, maybe even two Sabine dice in the pool that are just showing blank disrupt, and you really need to start the turn, especially when Sabine has damage on her. The other thing is really knowing when to use, like if people aggressively use that hidden blaster without a base side down or like with minimal base sides, which I try and never do. If Ezra is showing a one range damage in the pool, I'll often just auto go, unless I have a resource, I'll auto go with the hidden, just sort of um like YOLO that big damage. Like, oh, if I hit the two, then I'm auto resolving it. So there's no chance for it to be left blank. And then if I have three sources, I'll go for an X8 because I know that if I roll the three for one, I can resolve that. So I'm really conscious of exactly what gun I want. Um, and then obviously just knowing like when to hyperspace jump. Like I'm really proud of my pseudo It was versus Sabine Yoda in round eight. And um, I jumped out of a situation where I thought he might claim. And I discarded all the way down to only one card, another jump. And through four, I needed a second chance or I was dead. And um, I started the turn with Truce Jump. So I would still have three resources going into the following turn. Never rolled Sabine, never rolled Ezra, just truth jump and then still didn't draw my second chance. So I had to just roll her out and pray and I got lucky. So those are the kinds of things that I think come with experience and, and you need to see those sequence three turns. You need to know exactly what's going to happen over three turns.
4: The top 16 cut is about to begin. So we're going to wrap things up. I hope that I'm going to interview you as the winner, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Definitely. Going into the top 16, we are shifting into instead of a best of one, we're going into a best two out of three, how does that change your game plan, especially with such a deck such as yours?
0: So in typical Bobby Sapphire fashion, uh, I went nine rounds with the shield, never took my battlefield. So uh, that's going to go away, right? Because I can only, I have to give away the battlefield in a best of three. So I'll have to play from behind damage, which, you know, is super relevant with Sabine. Starting her off at 13 is super important. Other than that, I just, um, I think I'm going to rely on trying to be the technically sound player I think that I can be when I'm playing at my best and try not to make mistakes and Cause myself to lose and just obviously you need to have a little bit more endurance so I just had lunch and I'm just gonna get refocused.
4: Thank you again for this interview and congratulations again and we'll hope to catch you on the flip side and ladies and gentlemen if you haven't checked out the Hyperloops please do. There is a reason why they do so well. They provide great content and after hanging out with them last night they have such a mind for their game that it's worth investing in checking out their content. Thank you again Bobby Sapphire and listeners Jedi Geek Girl, out. Ladies and gentlemen, I am here with the runner-up of World 2018, all the way from Denmark, and your destiny podcast, Marge. Matt, how do you feel after that grueling final against arguably your worst matchup?
3: Uh, disappointed, that no, we didn't win, but he's a good player, he played well, he's a hard matchup, I think. Uh, it's about how it should go. Uh, you know, can every uh, every <laughs> family's <stealth. laughs> Yeah, he, he did a great job. Of me and something. so uh, Now I'm just uh, going to go get some food with my teammates.
4: You deserve it after that ruling day. For those who are wondering what it takes for you to get as far as you did today, what advice would you tell them?
3: Playtest uh, against people that are better than me. Uh, my teammate Kyle says he's arguably uh, as a better player uh, at certain aspects of the game and he teaches me a lot to learn playing and, playing and things like that. Keep playing against people that are better than themselves that's the best way to improve. And you uh, get lucky. <laughs> I mean, I've been lucky all day as well. That's, that's a big part of it. So, Prepare, I'm preparing, preparing. If preparing, preparing a lot, playing a hundred yeah. sequences.
4: Is there anything that you would change going into this event, knowing that your outcome would be the same? Any part that you would change? Any strategy that you would save? Anything at all? That's
3: a good question. I'd probably find some more room for some more great cards in my deck. Maybe uh, maybe sound the alarm uh, would be a nice addition to uh, I knew it. it's gonna replay the finals and I could do some cards over I've both this. on the yeah. It's there's not a lot of room for great cards, so you just have to have some compare or possibly hopefully dodge the in the final matchups. I have to say that one of the
4: greatest things about watching you play in the finals is the support of your team. Obviously you are not the only team that was here with the support of your teammates watching you. But it is so wonderful because not only do you have your team here, but you have a community of people from over here that your community, your team represents the international team. well, it truly really was a world championship. And on behalf of the United States, we are glad to have such a strong international presence.
3: I'm glad you like it. It's such a good game, and we got such a good playtesting group. We go out, we were out last night, with our, we have a gauntlet group on Facebook and we, we drove down to Germany to meet up with some of her and yeah, it's just uh, we meet a lot of, sometimes at Skype or playtest uh, on GTS, so it's, it's, been, it's been great and I, it's so nice to have them all supporting me, it's really just beautiful, so sure, the question has to be asked,
4: what is next for you?
3: Uh, I got Euros coming up and time or something and i like to i like to do just a little bit better than well once again
4: congratulations and before i sign off would you like to tell our listeners about your podcast and where they can find it and as you as well plug your brand
3: yeah so uh, we call your distinct podcast we, uh, we go over a lot of game theory, we're both really good at game theory, and, and uh, we cover the European meta a lot, so if you want to mix it up a little bit, uh, try, it's, it's not in English, uh, but the content, so the content is English, but we, uh, we try to grasp out into the European meta, and of course we also bring in. The American Top there, so there's such good
4: play the and cover that And, um, yeah, we hear probably the, uh, have the best music, at least, in the podcast business. I agree. Thank you, you, you again go. so much. Jedi Girl. Out. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm here with the main event. Your World Champion of 2018, Edwin. Congratulations, Edwin.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks.
4: Can you share with us what you played and why?
1: Uh, really, played Kyle Anakin. Uh, we're just expecting a lot of mono blues, so... I get some free wins off
4: of that. I have to say that you did so well in the quarterfinals and the finals as well. Facing mono decks, what was your Switch like? Did you face a lot of mono color or did you have to earn no wins?
1: Unfortunately, I only played two mono decks in Swiss, so uh, yeah. A lot of hard fought battles, but yeah, it was pretty tough. <laughs>
4: After two long, grueling days, you must have been so enlightened that you didn't have to worry about facing a hard matchup.
1: Yeah, it felt good to finally sit down across the table from Mono Blue and Mono Yellow. Um, I haven't faced them since... First day of Swiss, so yeah, felt good.
4: Is there anything unique about your deck compared to other variants, or perhaps any different ways that you approached the deck?
1: I just ran a lot of almost entirely blue club, all of the blue sabers, I thought those sabers are all really strong, and cards like No Mercy, which just shoot damage at a hand, are really strong, so i with it.
4: Obviously, because you're the world champion, there's probably nothing you can change at all, but if you had to change anything, perhaps your deck list of how you played, is there anything that you would change at all?
1: Oh, it could intimidate. <laughs> to be honest, I didn't really play that car that much this weekend. I thought there'd be a lot more shield, but it was not that great of a fall, So, yeah, i play that car.
4: So, I know that you have to run to the airport, but I have one last question. Can you plug your local area? Where do you play? Sure. Where do you from? Do you belong to a team? Anything you want to plug?
1: Um, Playing the New York City Tracet area. Quick shout-out to Airbrook Gaming. Those are the guys in South Jersey, and they've been a lot of help helping me build this deck. So, yeah, shout-out to them.
4: Once again, Edward, congratulations. Thank you for this interview. I know you have to run. Jedi Geek Girl, out. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, world is over, and it was so exciting. It was a whirlwind. There was so much community, so many games. We did not know what was going to win. We did not know who was going to top, but there was so much excitement and story revolving around this world that I couldn't think of anybody to close out this episode besides the one, the only, the guru of social media star was Destiny, Sugi. Hey,
5: everybody. How are y'all doing?
4: I'm doing good. I'm tired. I'm still riding that high of community and games. I had no idea that the decks that were going to be in the finals was going to win it. Everybody thought the Hyperloop was going to be in the finals. That did not happen. Everybody thought that vehicles would win or Yoda Hondo. That did not happen. We had a very thematic finals. We had a very monocolor finals.
5: Yeah, this year was just way better than last year. And that's not saying that last year was bad. It's just saying this year was so much more amazing. Like the levels just cranked to 12. i mean there was so much stack competition the players here were insanely competent at not only their game skill but their matchup knowledge their interactions with the dice their understanding of what was showing what could be showing what cards could be in their opponent's hand how lethal damage might not be actually on the table but with a few cards and a few just very very tight plays. A character could be dead within an action or two. This was by far the most interesting worlds we've ever seen for Star Wars Destiny and that's probably the least important part of the entire event. Like the best thing ever was just hanging out with the people. We met so many people from all around the world. Like that was the best part. Like last year we had mostly Americans. This year we had so many people from Europe. We had people from Germany, people from Spain, we had people from everywhere and Everyone was just excited to play Destiny, excited to hang out, totally psyched to just goof off, play games, and make friendships. And that's really what makes Worlds... The best thing ever. The
4: highlight has to be you playing in Worlds.
5: That is unexpected. I bought the ticket because we didn't know about press passes at the time, so it was more or less a guaranteed means to get here to Worlds and not have to stress about, am I going to be able to go on a press pass or not like we did last year? And then so many people wanted me to actually play Mill. It was like, well, I'm just going to go for it. And unfortunately, I had to knock out Agent of Zion and Rick, and that, that sucked a lot. I'm still kind of upset about that. But it was also really wild to see a Mill deck I've never piloted before. I built two days prior. It was 90% theory crafting, and I don't know, it was something else. Like, it was really cool. It was a lot of fun.
4: Not only did it seem like the community stepped up as well as the game, but it seems like FFG really stepped up with the coverage of the event, and we gotta give props to everybody involved because it started off a little bit rocky, but once worlds kick into high gear, it really set off into gear.
5: Yeah, I think FFG did a solid job of the coverage. I personally wasn't watching nearly as much because, as you've probably seen on our Facebook feed and the interviews that we're going to be editing over the course of the next week, I was talking to a lot of people, getting a lot of information getting a lot of interviews just chatting with so many people that i now can call my friend but from what i did see the production quality was good the commentary was interesting and i think everything's just going to get better from here
4: thank you again so much for closing out this episode is there anything else you would like to say to our listeners or anything else you'd like to say about worlds before your latest episode drop because i'm sure you and the other night's event have so much to talk about (laughs)
5: The deepest thing I can say from the bottom of my heart is Worlds is a place for family together. There's all kinds of family, you know, there's the people you may or may not get along with, there's the people you love and adore, and then there's the family members you've never met before and they show up and you go, oh my gosh! I am so glad you exist on this planet Earth because we are now like the closest of friends and Worlds is just all of those things you know there's the good there's the bad there's the ugly but 99% of it is the good and it's nothing like any other convention I've ever been to like you go to Gen Con you go to Origins BGG Con Momo Con like all these big conventions and a lot of it is they play games and you hang out and you do stuff but it's not all centered around a community of people it's usually like well I'm going to the con for fun or to see a panel or to buy stuff and you have fun and you make friends and so on and so forth everyone is here for the same reason we love Star Wars we love Destiny and we instantaneously for the most part all agree on very similar things and we can start talking and goofing off and laughing and telling stories about oh my gosh this one time i rolled six blanks and i got hit with a feel your anger and i pretty much lost the game because i done goofed aaron and you know then there's the time where it's like you know they had one health i had one health they hit me with an ambush play and it was game and just there's so many things that happen but when you talk about worlds it's all about the family because at the end of the day I've made so many new friends that I can call, you know, a part of my family. And I think if you're ever on the fence about coming to Worlds you absolutely need to give it a try. It may or may not be for you, but you at least need to try it. The food's really good, that's a big plus. FFG has good food here, I like that. But like, people are firing off pods, people are calling your name, and they're like, hey, let's go hang out, let's go get a drink, let's go see a movie, let's go grab some grub also, let's get some reps in, You know, we're gonna be playing in two days, and then the night before you're gonna play some board games, get some drinks, get to bed early, and it's an experience like nothing you'll ever see or feel anywhere else.
4: I agree 100%. I could not say it better myself. Thank you so much for closing out this episode. Gill out. As Sugi mentioned in his closing interview, Worlds is about community. I truly hope someday you can make it out there if you are not able to attend it this year. It is truly worth the memories. I hope you enjoyed this episode and our coverage of Worlds 2018. Once again, thank you so much and until next episode with Agent of Zion. This is Jedi Geek Girl, signing off. This has been I Rebel a Star Wars Destiny podcast. I have been your host, Jedi Geek Girl. If you would like to contact me, please send me an email at irybelldestiny at gmail.com. And as always, May the Force be with you. Bell is an independent podcast, not associated with Lucasfilm, Disney, Fantasy Flight Games, or any other organization. All copyrights for Star Wars, Star Wars Destiny, and all other properties belong to the proper copyright holders.